it's it's been actually the opposite of that. So my boss straight up told me that he wants me to learn the business first. And then after that, then we'll start getting into kind of the nitty gritty. But they this is the first job I've ever had where they have like a true, like organized onboarding for me specifically. And like, it's a whole spreadsheet of what they like have planned for one month, two months, three months. Like it's. Oh, that's insane. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there really a lot good. of thought clearly went into it. Yeah. So I'm definitely appreciative of that. But um, not too many people want to do stuff like that. You said what? Not that many places want to do stuff like that, so that's good. Nah, that's yeah, like, that's how you it, learn a lot too. Right. I, I like the fact that with this job, it's very they're very upfront about what they have planned for me and what they want from me. Um, they're very intentional. They're very honest. Um. And that's the type of person I am. So I'm glad to be working around like-minded people like that. So that's, that's been, it's been pretty dope to say the least oh, yeah. to start. Awesome. Yeah, man. But um, yeah. Well, what's that? You were happy last night. I really was, bro. Like, <laughs> but well, let me not even say, I don't know. It was more so I was surprised. I was surprised at the fact that we... One, we're, like, throwing punches from the very beginning. And then, two, just the way we closed out, Jimmy closing it out. Duncan Robinson, that dude, <laughs> like, man, going from benched, being benched last season to being a key player for our, for us throughout these entire playoffs. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that we're finally putting him back in the rotation. I'm like him just not being just a shooter you can see him actually like dribble like go to the basket like do other things instead of just stand in the corner oh yeah he developed he de- de- developed for sure i mean the left hand layup in the fourth quarter you oh, know nice. hey that, you with know contact. it's funny with contact but it's funny that play's been like talked about a lot uh recently because that's the play that distinctly shows the effort that Mike Malone was talking about after the game about how lackluster the Nuggets were playing. I don't like that people are trying to say that the Nuggets weren't bringing energy. I know the coach was saying that, but I think he was trying to give them give them a more of a sense of urgency. But I think he was also only talking about one player, but we'll get to that in a second. But the the fact that people are talking about their energy, I think the Nuggets played decent. Wow. Like, yeah. They weren't playing bad. They had they I'm pretty sure they shot over fifty percent from the field. They weren't shooting bad. Like I don't know. Like the defense is the defense. Like it's just, you know, they, they they it's not like they played poorly. Miami just shot well. Like we shot over forty something percent as a team from the three point line. So we also shot a very high percentage from the field. But then we also still didn't play that great of a game either. And we still won. So, like, both teams, I think that we're still in the feeling out phase of the series. Um, yeah, especially with these teams being different, you know. Obviously, like, in the finals, is East Coast, West Coast. And they only play each other two times a year. So, they really don't know each other well. Yeah. Yeah, like, people are saying, like, like oh, the Heat haven't won in Denver in, like, so many since years. 20, like, since 2016. Yeah. But, like, if you only play, if you only go there once a year, 
and no one wants to go to Denver with a high altitude. Like that stat is so stupid. Yeah, it has it's a to do very with the dumb finals stat. right now. And it's a completely different. I mean, did you see the starting lineup for the Heat when we last yeah. beat them? Like yeah. Josh McRoberts and freaking <laughs> um, Goran Dragic and like yeah. uh, who was the other guy? Rodney Magruder. Like yeah, no so knock to those dudes because honestly, I remember those times and. You know, that's back when D Wade was still, you know, D Wade for us. So mm-hmm. he would must have been injured when that happened, clearly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, like I such a dumb stat. Like completely different roster back then, you know, different league back then too, to be quite honest. Like totally different. But yeah, yeah. But I would say like I was kinda like watching like I didn't watch the whole thing consistently. I was like studying in between. But the first quarter, when the first quarter I watched the whole thing, though, and, like, you could definitely see they, like, turned it up after that. I think it was a timeout. Like, their defense got a lot better once they were down by 10 or 11 or whatever it was. Then they looked super focused. But then they looked pretty good until the end of the game. So, like, you can't really say anything about that. Like, what's going to happen? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, stuff happens, like – Guys, you can play the best defense in the world, and guys can still hit shots. Like, right. Like the first game, the Heat had wide open shots, and I think this game, they were definitely more contested, but they just made them. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think, think I, also the same. Like in the same vein, it's like we wait again. We we just missed shots the first game. Yeah. However. This game, we paid a lot more attention to detail to the defense, I think. The defense won us that game because Spolstra, I mean, just a genius, bro. Like, nobody in the league likes to run zone. I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but, like, I don't know if it's because they don't want to put the effort in to do it. I don't know if they have a stigma against it, thinking that it's a weak thing to do, which I think it's that. But, you know, the Heat went into, like, this flex zone where it would, like, shift into a 3-2. It may look at, like, a 2-3 at times. And then at, uh, at other times, I think the most successful set was when they ran a 1-3-1 with Caleb Martin in the middle to take away Jokic catching at the high post. I think that was the best set that they ran. And that's going to give – and I think it gave Denver the most trouble. Yeah, because even if they do pass it to a high post, they can still come from behind and poke it from him. Because right. most of the time – He's just holding it for a couple of seconds, looking for cuts. And even then, in the one three one, there's always going to be someone there that they can't freely cut, even if someone gets beat. So that right. really helps. Because the first game, the first five minutes, Aaron Gordon had, like, three dunks. and had, like, 12 points the first quarter, mostly off of just back cuts. So, like, they really yeah. made sure that, hey, if they don't get easy buckets, if Michael Porter Jr. doesn't get easy three-point shots, then – that's pretty much like their entire offense in a way. Then it's just Jokic. Yeah. And if you just let Jokic score, then they don't really have anything else. And it's kind of hard, especially at the end of the game, to get the ball to Jokic. Like, all the times at the end of the game, it was Jamal Murray shooting the shots. Especially, like, yeah. at the end. So it's like, if Jamal Murray is cut out of that too, then, you're kind of, then Nuggets don't really have too, too many options. Mm-hmm. Or they don't really have, like, that flow either of passing the ball around quick and then catching them sleeping. Yeah, it's really hard to get the ball. When your best player is your center, 
it's the really sword. hard to get the ball into the post and, and and try to get him to operate. I mean, you can see in that last game, the way that they were getting Jokic the ball was literally at the three-point line. Like, he was playing yeah. at the wing. In his mm-hmm. face, was he was facing the basket. And that's clearly not where he's most successful. He's more successful, obviously, on the block, maybe at the high post area where he could see the rest of the the rest of the court. And then he's able to yeah. get guys open looks. But, you know, Miami, again, credit to their defense by muddying up the waters, really, and making that 1-3-1 so congested. The key about with Miami is that they're able to really thwart your game consistently, but by being able to uh, recover within the zone. Like, zones aren't going to work unless you know how to shift and you know how to recover. So if someone in that defense, because it's a full team effort when you're in the zone. So if you guys are complete, like if the ball's going one way, the whole zone is moving with it. And the the Heat are like, I mean, I would, any coach should show the film of Miami's 2-3 zone, 1-3-1 one, one zone, and how they go about shifting with the with the with the offense and the ball and following the ball because all five players are moving with it. I, I think it's amazing. But also to your point, like talking about Michael Porter Jr., um, you know, I alluded to it earlier, but I mean, Mike Malone was clearly talking about him when they were talking about effort. Like once his shot stopped dropping, which happens to a lot of players, but once his shot stopped dropping, his rebounds went down. His effort went down. He, his defense went down. I mean, he he was the reason. And I pointed out that play earlier that we were talking about with Duncan Robinson with that left hand layup. That was play two of the, that same action. It was that little curl action where Gabe Vincent essentially set like a pin down screen to Duncan. Duncan curls off of it and pretty much just literally wraps around the screen, goes right back to the rim, kind of near like the elbow. Um, the first time he did it, Chris, uh, uh, Braun and, uh, I think Will Brown might, or, uh, Will, uh, not Will, what's that other dude? Bruce Brown. I think he followed, they both followed, uh, Duncan Robinson because Duncan's finally a threat again. So they yeah. follow, they both followed him, even though it should have just been a regular switch. Right. But then Gabe Benson is just wide open at the three point line. And that's when that he made that facial expression, like, are you guys serious? Like, yeah. you guys leaving me open? And then the second time, that's when Duncan got caught on the curl. Um, Bam threw a beautiful pass to him, and he laid it up with that left hand. Yeah, and, like, especially for one with that layup, he should have been there before that. He should have stepped up before, even way before he had a chance to go for that layup. He was just being lazy and didn't rotate over. It's like, it's like, Whenever the ball's on the opposite side, you should be in the middle of the court. And he was nowhere right. close to that. And yeah, it, yeah. he's so athletic and big enough that that really shouldn't be that hard for him to do. Yeah, his shot, the thing with uh, Michael Porter, I was talking about this the other day, like his shot is so pretty that it matched the fact that he's playing so poorly. Because mm-hmm. when I'm watching him shoot, even his misses look good because he's just, he just has a beautiful jump shot, honestly. And he shoots so much that, like, you think that he's shooting so well, and then you look up and he's two for ten from the three. You know what I mean? And it, I just think that's, like, amazing that he he continues to trick me into thinking that he's playing so well. 
because we all know he is a good player. Like, he's a really good player. But for some odd reason, you know, he just continues to struggle. But I do remember in the bubble, too, when he called out Mike Malone for not giving him touches. And he called out the whole Denver offense for not giving him touches. So he's had this mentality for a while that he's this he's the guy. He thinks he's the guy. He he honestly thinks he's better than Jamal Murray, if we're being honest. Like he thinks he's the number two guy, if not one B to Jokic's one A. Like I think he has that crazy mentality, maybe delusional mentality of that he's the second best player. Yeah. He's not offense. He's either going backcourt or he's sitting in the corner shooting for uh, trying to shoot a three. He doesn't really do anything else, really, for the most part. He's yeah. usually just, like, a decoy. Like, he's not being the guy in the pick and roll. Or even sometimes when he's in the corner, if he doesn't have an open three, he doesn't even, like, pump fake or go or pump fake one dribble pull up. He just catches it, looks, and then just passes it back out. And for a guy, like, who wants all these touches and do all these things, he can definitely do more being that athletic, but he doesn't really show it. Or maybe it's just not in the offense. Who knows? To be honest, I feel like he he's kind of a gunslinger. I feel like the complete opposite. Yeah. I think he, like, when really? he gets the ball, you're not getting the ball back. Like, if he, if he gets the ball, it's going up. You know what I mean? Like, because there was countless plays during that last game that he was just pulling up in dudes' faces. Because, I mean, rightfully so, the guy is 6'10". But he's like pulling yeah. up and gave Benson's face. Nonetheless, there's still somebody under him. And you and I remember seeing like this great play where, you know, that was a perfect example of this, where he's, I think they were coming down. Um, they might have been in the half court already, but you see Jamal Murray and Jokic down on the block. And then you have Michael Porter Jr. at the free throw line, two Miami Heat defenders in his face. He still pulls up over the top. Yeah. You see Jamal Murray just like put his hands up like what the hell are you doing mm-hmm. but like that's probably a conversation that they're obviously having internally because in that locker room when they're talking about effort and you have Jeff Green going up to the podium talking about man I don't know how we still have to continue to tell people like this is the finals like there's a clear difference in these teams they're like you got the heat where from roster spot one to 15 it's complete buy-in Like, we don't care who's the high scorer for the night. We don't care how many touches we get. Even Bam and Jimmy, we don't care how many touches we get. We don't care how many. Like, we just want to win. We just want to be the first team to four. And then you got Denver, where you got one guy. All it takes is one. And And he's a solid player. So it's even more critical. And you got one player who's just not buying in fully to what we're trying to do here. He wants to, he wants to win, but also get his. And that's not, you know, that that's not going to – it can't have both. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, like, Denver's deep, but they don't really play, like, a, most of their guys. Like, they have Reggie Jackson on their bench, never played. I noticed that, yeah. Thomas Bryant, he's not the best player in the world, but he's a big body. He was playing pretty well for the Lakers for most part of the year. I, really I he, well. He can give you at least 12 minutes, at least something. But – they choose just to keep this rotation of like eight dudes, probably maybe nine. While their bench is pretty nice, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't know why they just don't be like, all right, if you don't want to buy in in the finals, that's it, you're done. Here you go. Let's, we'll give like uh, someone else an opportunity to play. 
Yeah, literally, it's like, like again, like Miami, that's... it's one through 15 mm-hmm. that is like ready to go. Coach, you call my name, I'm going. Like Highsmith. Yep. We, we brought in Highsmith during the Boston series because mm-hmm. we, we realized that we just needed help. Just We needed a different look, period. Mm-hmm. We needed a wild card to go in there and to dirty up the game. And he goes in there, and he was defending his ass off. He made a couple shots. He got a, some key deflections, made some good layups. I mean, he was really huge for us down the stretch um, in game six and seven for that Boston series. And now, look, he's fully in the rotation now in Denver. And, mm-hmm. you know, but you know what's interesting? I I called it, and I said it this last pod, but Caleb Martin, I said we should move him to the bench. I, I didn't see I, – I understood why we started him. Mm-hmm. But that was one series in Boston, man. Like, I'm not saying I was – I'm not no NBA player. I'm no NBA coach. But I've watched the NBA enough to know that every series is different. And this was not the series where we needed to start Caleb. I wanted him because, we, like, to your point, Denver's bench is so deep that I figured that since Caleb is still on a high note and he's still on a hot streak – we put him to the bench. I didn't really think to put Kevin Love, but, hey, it worked. But I just figured we should just move him to the bench, replace him with someone else, K-Love, K-Love, whoever, but just move him there so then he can operate with the second string. But now we're getting Tyler Hero back. So you that's going to change something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, think um, that's a 20-point-per-game scorer. There's no way he doesn't play. Kind of funny, but saw this thing today. It was like his hand is still bothering him shooting like drills or whatever. And mm-hmm. he said that he, if he doesn't feel better or whatever, then it's okay if he doesn't play because he doesn't want to ruin the chemistry. But I also feel like one of those things where you just say that just so Denver is like, oh yeah, if he doesn't play, then it's fine and then all of a sudden he just shows up in the game they're like oh shit like yeah so they don't have the game plan for him yeah it was kind of just like one of those little things just to say but then next game you see him and he's perfectly fine yeah yeah and i see that here now like the report came out today that you know he's still experiencing soreness and swelling after shooting but that should be expected at this point i mean we're trying to rush this guy to come back you know, I would hate for him to come back and then something just, like, he lands on his hand or, like, something. You know, like, all it takes is him landing on his hand again for him to be yeah. set back for some more months. So, I mean, we're I know we're definitely going to be careful about it. And I could see him not playing game three. However, I, could, I definitely see him returning in this series at some point. It may not be game three, but it could be four or five. So, who knows? He plays 10 minutes. Just like I was saying for the Denver guys. He plays 10 minutes. You have a 20-point scoring threat on the floor for 10 minutes. Yeah, you have a decoy. Yeah. And he's probably sore because he's shooting hundreds of shots. In a game, he's only going to be shooting 10, maybe. Right. So, like, he should be fine in that regard, too. I think the only thing to be worried about is his defense. But in the zone... Maybe you have like a certain thing in the zone where he might not be exploited as much. 
I worry about his conditioning too with that because like That's we said, point. like you said with the defense, like, you know, yes, we're in a zone, but like I said earlier, it, it it's yeah, moving a right. lot. Yeah. yeah, it's not like it's not like you're staying on one side of the court either because of this shape shifting zone, because sometimes you're in a three two and then you shift into a two three. Yeah. Many times, even within the same possession, you know, like mm-hmm. you're got you gotta be flying and you have to be ticking and your whole team has to move on a string as one. together as yeah. one. So I don't know if he's like ready for that. And you know, to his credit, he acknowledges the fact that we have some great chemistry right now. And, you know, that may be the only reason why he doesn't get heavy minutes. But Mm -hmm. I do see him getting playing time. I do see him being some sort of a factor, whether that's being a decoy, whether that's him making shots. But, you know, we need another playmaker out there because that was what Caleb Martin was for us last last series. Mm -hmm. Um, And right now it's Gabe Vincent. So we need just one more player like that to put us over the top, I feel. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. There's certain times where if it's just not an open three, no one's really driving and kicking to the basket, and he would be really good at doing that. I mean, it's been Duncan Robinson now. He's the one that's, like, driving to the basket and then kicking it out. You know, Jimmy's doing a great job facilitating, sometimes too much, but, you know, he's still doing a great job facilitating. I'll tell you who's doing the – I mean, if the finals were to end today, Bam Adebayo would be our finals MVP, oh, yeah. I believe. I mean, Gabe is right there too. Gabe is right there with him too, but Bam is just like – he's doing everything. And as much as people were talking shit about him before the series, about how Jokic was going to destroy him and this, that, and that, Bam isn't putting these crazy statistical games up. But if you're watching the game within the game, he's doing everything everything to help this team win screens there's no statistic for screens that are going to show up on a box score but this dude's screen setting is so good and it's so important to have a great screen setter on your team and then he's so great at rolling or even popping after a screen where he's just at the high post and he can get to his pull-up I mean and he's making these tough pull-up jumpers too I'm I'm loving what I see him from Bam and this is complete night and day difference for what I was talking about him in the Milwaukee series. He's being he's being very aggressive. And this is against, you know, the best center in the league, some believe. I believe it, but he's doing what he has to do, dude. Because he's so much quicker and faster than Jokic, you might as well use that to your advantage. And yeah. Like just drive right around this dude, honestly. Like the Heat, they're a lot smaller, but I think they're so much smarter that they can just attack all the big guys, big guys on Denver. Because Jokic is pretty slow. So if you bring him out, bam, every time just go and go and go right past them. And they're so good at cutting because they have that one pick and roll play where bam rolls and someone from the corner cuts like almost directly underneath the basket. Right. They did that a lot in the Knicks series too. And that always works because there's always at least one person sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, I think also too, like I I can't I I was expecting us to try and steal a game. I didn't know how successful mm-hmm. we would be because of how tough that Celtics series was. And mm-hmm. honestly, like I mean, I know we beat the, the, the Bucks in five, the Knicks in six, but like none of those series 
even though like relatively short for the Bucks, you know, a little longer with the Knicks, but none of those series were easy. <laughs> so like to yeah. see Miami still doing what they're doing, starting at from the play in tournament, losing to the Hawks and then barely escaping against the Bulls. This is like one of the greatest runs we've ever seen, if not the greatest yeah, run we've ever seen. I don't know, like, because people are talking about, like, is this the greatest run if they win a championship? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, it's the greatest run. How is that even a question? How is that even a question? Because when the Knicks were the eighth seed and they made it to the finals, the season was shorter. So, like, an eighth seed in a regular normal season has never even made the playoffs in general, let alone, oh, no, not the playoffs, or make it to the finals, let alone win the finals. So, like, that shows that even making it and beating the first one and two seeds in the Eastern Conference is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And people are also bringing up <clears throat> Dirk Nowitzki's ring. Like, Dirk and the Mavericks were nah, this favorites. Better. They were favorites in, like, two of the four playoff series that they had in that run. I mean, outside of the yeah. finals and the Western Conference finals, those first two rounds, they were heavily favored because their seeding, I believe they were like the third seed. Like, like <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know people's logic and things. Like, they like to follow these narratives that, like, are told to us. Like, we're told that Dirk's ring was one of the toughest rings ever. I mean, yeah, he beat the Miami Heat for sure. And, I mean, all of this sounds crazy biased because I'm a Heat fan. But at the same time, I'm like, fam, like, we've seen tougher rings before. Like, and it was a really impressive win. <clears throat> but at the same time, like, it, it you can't compare that to this. That is, a like, a third, fourth seed. This is an yeah. eighth seed. And, the Mavs, that, and, the, and they had extra games with a play-in tournament to even get in. Yeah, that's true. And the Mavs had Jason Kidd, Hall of Famer, Sean Marion, multiple-time All-Star. It's like they have yeah. all these dudes. The Heat have an old Kyle Lowry, an all-star in Bam, an all-star in Jimmy. So, like, I don't know, it's not really comparing exactly the same. And no. the Heat have all these dudes that are undrafted. Yeah, we have, I believe, seven undrafted players. Although I know the Jason team. Perry. Yeah. Although I know Miami hates the fact that people are bringing up undrafted players and there's just like, they're just good players, but it is important to add that these players all played in the G league. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> there's not many players like that. Our starting point guard was a two way. That's not yeah. normal. You know, <laughs> like, so I, I don't know. You got to put things in totality with this team, man. Like I, I really hope we pull it off because this will be, this may trump the 20. It would trump the, as far as ranking in like the NBA, like in the uh, Miami Heat rings in the championships, because it would be the fourth one. 06 is always going to be number one, I feel. Like that was just a crazy run for, for, that was our first one. And that was D Wade's coming out party. But then, you know, 2013, the way we won um, with game six, Ray Allen from the corner and then game seven with LeBron with that, you know, really clutch bucket. Um, this would be probably number three, which it could, it could compete with number two, but this yeah. is probably number three. Cause I think it's better than 2012, but 
because we played the Thunder, oh, yeah. who were they yeah, just weren't were, ready. Were they weren't ready. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, yeah, dude, yeah. I'm just enjoying it. I'm glad it's a series. I'm glad we won. We, I, th- I didn't want to say it, but I felt like we. Well, maybe I did say it, but we had to steal a win in Denver in these first two games. Like, if we didn't win one of those first two, we probably it would probably be over. <laughs> Yeah, it's just tough to say. Like, if they lost both those games, then yeah, that was it. Game over. Yeah, which is like, yeah, with both at home. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm not gonna That's doubt my fair. team anymore. I'm not doubting them anymore, yeah. man. Because especially like they, the the role players played so well on the road already mm-hmm. that like I have no reason to believe they're not gonna play even better at home. However, now we're going to have the home crowd behind us. It can either shoot you in the foot or make you play better. It can make you yeah. maybe too hype and you're rushing stuff, you're forcing stuff, and you want it so bad, or it's gonna you're going to play like how you're supposed to and you're going to have the fans behind you all the way. I mean, the finals back in Miami, it's going to be rocking in there. It's going to be great. Insane. And yeah. Clippers have the mental advantage too. And I think that's the biggest thing. Because if the Nuggets are – because that was their first playoff um, home loss, too. If they're, like, all shaken mm-hmm. and everything and the series just started and the Heat are pretty much just chilling, like, after the game, they're talking, they're hanging out, they're doing whatever, that that's huge. Like, yeah. LeBron, LeBron saying that when they came back from 3-1, that's literally all he said, and, and that's literally what they did was just go right at them because they were mentally defeated. And it kind of seems yeah. like the Nuggets are trending in that direction. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to overreact because I know, like I, I, I know. Well, we all know how great Jokic is, and mm-hmm. for, I mean, he had a pedestrian forty-one and like what ten rebounds or something. Yeah. And people well, we like, you oh, know, only four assists. Right, and and yeah. it's funny because you saw. I don't know if you've seen uh, Eric Spolstra's, you know, media. Uh, conference and oh, I, I think it. Ramona yeah. Shelbourne was the one that asked them about whether making Jokic to score is what our goal is as a team uh, and that's the key to winning and he was like there's no way to make that guy do anything like we just have to muddy up the game as much as we can and make it as tough for him as much as we can but he chooses what he wants to be out there and tonight he chose to be a scorer and you know it just wasn't enough because, you know, Jamal Murray didn't have a great game. He had an okay game, but not a great one. It wasn't game one, that's for sure. And then Michael Porter Jr., I think he's the key. And that's why they're talking about effort. I think he's the key. And I said that coming in. I mean, that's a 6'10 dude. Aaron Gordon is playing his ass off too. But Michael Porter Jr., he knocks down the threes. Like, he, yeah. like that's worth way more. So it's just like if he's knocking down his wide-open shots – it's yeah, that's another threat that we're just gonna have to like. Damn, like we may have to account for him now too. So, yeah. So, all right, we'll see. What do you think about Game Three? Um. Well, I'm done doubting my team for the rest of this series. I've been <laughs> doubting them. I, 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 I'm not gonna pretend like I expected us to be in this position. I'm gonna continue to say that. I I expect us now though, now that it's one one and we smell blood, we got a win, and you know 
we're motivated. Now we now we see we can do it. Yeah. That's all we needed. Now we see yeah, that it's confidence. possible. Yeah, I think we're gonna have confidence. I think we're gonna come out and and win game three. Game four is gonna be a battle. I think Jokic is probably gonna do like some historical shit in one wow. of these two games, if not both. But I think there's gonna be at least one game in Miami where Jokic just goes off for like fifty, twenty, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're probably gonna take one of these games. I'm gonna say we take game three. So what about you? I agree with you. I think they're gonna take game three. And then Nuggets are gonna be super desperate in game four and just yeah. go all out, just go crazy. Yeah. I worry with Miami getting a lead. See, that's the thing. This team's weird. We like playing behind. Every yeah. time we're down by double digits in that game, down. that's just all we need. We need that pressure for us to kick mm-hmm. it up a notch. We want to keep it close until closing time for Jimmy, and then he takes us home. But we yeah. can't keep doing that. Yeah. The first quarter, 10-point lead, and all of a sudden, two seconds later, you're down by 15. That's a 25-point swing in, like, eight minutes. Yeah. They need, they need to stop doing that. So, hopefully, like, again, if Miami goes up 3-1 or something, I'm going to be terrified. Because I'm going to – we just saw what happened going up 3-0. Like, that's the, that's the MO of this team. Like, we take our foot off the, off the gas pedal when we have a comfortable lead. So, we like yeah. to be behind or at least keep the game close. We're so yeah. comfortable with it. I mean, they've been talking about it every press conference, how this whole season has prepared us for this moment because we've had close games for, like, 50-something games were all, like, determined by, like, last-minute shots, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it's going to be interesting. I hope we take the lead, but I, I, I'm going to be nervous if we take a, a series lead, uh, leaving Miami 3-1. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's let's transition out of Miami. I do love that we can talk entire episodes about my team. That's just it makes me happy. So transitioning here to some news. I don't even know if it's news anymore because they just came out that it's unlikely that this would happen. But we've been talking about this for a little bit. But Kyrie, um uh, well it's interesting though. Because it's reported that Kyrie's been trying to recruit LeBron now. We're living in such a strange world. <laughs> like, yeah. wasn't there just a time where LeBron and Kyrie, like, did not like each other? Like, Kyrie would send subliminal shots to him. And then one <laughs> day it came out. Now they love each other. But then one day it came out that Kyrie called up LeBron and was like, hey, I need advice on how to co- how to play with this team. The, t- the team that he left LeBron for, like, yeah. just weird stuff. But apparently Kyrie was trying to recruit LeBron um, to come to Dallas. And then he also told Dallas to try and find a trade for LeBron to pair himself, Luka, and LeBron together in Dallas. What did you make of that? <laughs> Oh, laughed at. at first, I was like, yeah, there's definitely no way. Right. Like, oh, that would be so weird to see LeBron on the Mavs, but there's no way they have enough people to trade for him. Right. Say, 
the say that they actually did, dude, him, Luca, and Kyrie would be the most insane big three. You probably have no money after that, though. But the mo- most insane big three ever. Honestly, it would be crazier than having LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh. But that'll never happen. So, see, K, so. so here's a trade that I saw for LeBron to come to Dallas. Dallas would have to give up Jaden Hardy. Start right there. I would not want to give him up. That dude was killing it for them towards the end really? of the season. I oh, Jaden Hardy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I didn't know who he was until I, I started watching a few Dallas games towards the end of the, uh, their stretch. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that dude was putting in some work for Dallas. I, I would be surprised if they didn't want to develop that dude into, like, a, a, a starter or backup uh, to Kyrie. But David, uh, Davis uh, – Bertans, um, Reggie Bullock, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Those four would all have to go if we're doing player for player. That those four would all have to go to the Lakers for LeBron. Oh, like what? What could you possibly trade for LeBron? Like, what's his value? Being in his twentieth year to try and get him though, like. Do you go by, like, you can be like, all right, he averages 25 a game, and he's nice. What would a player averaging that amount get? And then you're like, all right, even if we have him for two years, him on that team in two years, you'll probably make it pretty far in the playoffs. Right. But then, but then you're like, all right, he's old and a ton of money. Like, what can you, like why would I want to send out my best players for him and have no roster and no role players for him either? That's the biggest part, I think, there, that, like, you're not going to have a bench. You're going to be like right back to where you started. Yeah, it's good, yeah. literally just like the Suns. But I'm actually looking here, and I just want to find this real quick. So to to what you're saying about LeBron's, you know, his marketability, I guess. Like, he, is, he market, is he marketable? Yes, he is. Like, he's, he's like, the most marketable, one of the most marketable players in the league probably ever and but then you look at his play like is he playing well year 20 yes that's terrifying do you want to try and trade away all these assets for a 20-year player (laughs) Uh, about to be in his 21st season ideally no however this player was averaging 29 points per game eight rebounds with six let's just round round up because it's 6.8 assists but pretty much seven assists yeah. So he was averaging 29, 8, and 7 in year 20. So personally, I'm probably going to go for it because that's LeBron James. And then you're also, if you're thinking business, how much money are you going to get in return for him? Hey, A Mark ton. Cuban. Mark Cuban's in any type of business that'll make him money. Right. He would, care. he would go over to tax if he was able to. He wouldn't care. Oh, absolutely. But I don't the, – the problem is, like, like to what you were saying earlier as well, like, how does that even happen without you having to give up Luka Doncic for yeah. LeBron? Like, if I were the Dallas Mavericks as well, I mean, you obviously try to find a way to get those three together. But mm-hmm. is it even possible? Like, I did say that trade. Like, I, I, saw, I showed you that proposed trade, but – that's still like that's that's your entire roster dude those are like your best 
those are your best role players just mm-hmm. gone like that for a 21 year player. Yeah, there's no way. There's the Mavs could probably get a team friendly player that would help the team not in the same impact, but kind of like overall will help the team out there and then one right. like what their plans are for the future and everything too. Do you think Kyrie stays with Dallas? Yeah, I don't think he has too many options. Mm. If the Lakers say no, it's just him and the Suns. And does KD really want to play with him again after all the stuff he did in Brooklyn? Probably not, realistically. Yeah, I agree with that. I think KD's kind of over Kyrie's BS. He gave him a chance. Um, and he gave him more than what? How long was KD there? Two, three seasons? Three no. seasons? Oh, well, there, we're not four, counting the injury. Yeah, yeah, I guess not counting the injury. But, yeah, so, yeah, I think Katie's over that situation. He doesn't want any more drama. But yeah. I think Kyrie really wanted to play with the Lakers, but it came out today that the Lakers aren't willing to give yeah. up their key assets for Kyrie Irving, which I thought I was kind of shocked that they came out and said that. Um Mm-hmm. So now I'm just like, I don't know what happens with him. I really have no idea. I don't even know if he stays with Dallas. That's why I was just wondering what you thought, because I really have no idea what he's going to end up doing. Yeah, I don't think he has too many options. I think it's just going to be that Dallas with the upper hand, and I don't think he gets a max either. Right. Now, if you're LeBron James, now do you offer LeBron the max at year 20? Well, by the end of 2021, he'll be a, a, a unrestricted free agent. Or 2024, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. Do you give LeBron the max in year, going into year 22? Nah. <laughs> just I would only do that just so you can add around him. Because he's probably worth pretty close to the max. I probably wouldn't say the max. Because he's probably mm-hmm. still going to be playing really well. But just to add someone else around him or just to add another player to give him some rest during the regular season, that would help right. him so much more. Even, even if he just took like 20 million, that's 20 extra or 30 extra million that they can give to someone else and that could be a really good player. For sure. Yeah, but, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give him the max either. No. But I saw this thing. It was They want to do a signed trade for DeAndre Russell for Fred Van Vliet. I think that's really dumb. I don't. I don't like that at all. I well, Van Bleet play. He struggled all last season too. Like his yeah. shooting numbers were down really like a lot. Um, hurts my heart, Wichita State alum. But it's just like it is what it is. It is what it is. Like you can't go after that. Now I will say, like it. We talked about how the playoffs, like it makes or breaks people's careers. You know, like. There was a point where, again, we saw, like, complete overreaction to, okay, maybe this season we could keep this team together with the Celtics. You know, going down 0-3 and then marching back, okay, maybe we don't need to fire Missoula, right? (laughs) Or maybe we we can keep Tatum and and Jalen Brown. You know, uh, Fred Van Vliet, it just took – sorry, not Fred. uh, D'Angelo Russell, it just took – Pretty much one bad series for for them to be like, yeah, you got to go. Yeah. Like we we you're you're not doing it for us. When he literally like 
was balling out in the first round. And it, it was just kind of crazy to see that they flipped on him so quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's wild, dude. And, like, I think one of the games in the Nuggets series, he was, like, okay. But other than that, it was, like, if he scored 15 points or more, their record was, like, insane. Like, they only lost, like, once or twice. Mm-hmm. Like, that was him just being thrown on a team that with a bunch of other players just thrown on a team. And they were still really good without even, like, practicing or doing anything, probably. We'll, like, we'll get this. Kinda... It's It wasn't even a full season. Exactly. It wasn't even exactly. a full season. He didn't even have a full <laughs> season with this with the coaching staff. Yeah. Like, what happened to player development, dude? Yeah. Like, oh. Crazy. Like, what did he play with them? Maybe 30 games? Not even? Probably even less. Barely. It's, it's, it's like... What what are we doing here? Like we gotta give these guys. It's the same thing with the freaking coaches. Like you gotta yeah, give people an opportunity. This is a reason why you give them contracts. Yeah. Why don't these contracts ever get fulfilled? They yeah. never never fulfilled with the same team. You never <laughs> end the contract with who you started with. It's no, like no, so never. rare today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they always think that there's someone better, and then usually it doesn't happen. Right. And also, speaking of coaches, just really random. We don't even need to stay on this long. But I noticed, like, what? so Frank Vogel has now been announced as the new Phoenix Suns coach. Does it make much sense to me? Not really. But, really? hey, that's who they – Yeah, I mean, dude, over Monty, what's the difference? Like, honestly, what's the difference? Like – I understand the defensive mind, a defensive scheme with Vogel, like, but Monty, like, a, a, another situation of he didn't even have a, his complete roster for a full season. Give him an opportunity to do so with this team form, like, as constructed. I think Monty could have took that team to another level as well if he were just giving a, given a full season with them. But he was not given that. And he had his complete roster change midseason. And then because they lost with it, that's unfair. Like, and then he gets clipped. He barely played before KD the gets injured game one with, with, with or game two uh, with the fucking Suns. You know what I'm saying? Like, how is that fair to Monty at all? So, oh, I get, yeah. again, like, I don't. I don't – I'm not saying, like, Vogel's a bad coach. I just said it, it doesn't make – like, these are great coaches that are, that are getting fired, bro. It's not, yeah. like, just random dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, what – there's not big of a jump from Monty Williams to Frank Vogel. Like, they have different yeah. ideals and they have different, like, uh, ways of approaching the game. But it's, like, it's the same thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he definitely – like, yeah, he definitely – I was really surprised when he got fired. I'm also really surprised that he went to Detroit. But I was money, man, he can't say no to the money, but highest uh, paid coach ever. Yeah. It's gonna suck like he's not gonna really notice the Pistons probably for a long time. And he'll probably do a good job developing them, but like I don't know. He's the type of coach you want to see in the playoffs. Yeah, but what I was very true. but what I was bringing all that up for is because Doc Rivers, another Hall of Fame coach that's probably, you know, going to find a job elsewhere. But he yeah. took his name out of the race for Phoenix. Yeah. 
And I thought that was super interesting. And then within minutes of him pulling his name out of the race, yeah. Vogel was hired. Mm-hmm. So I Chris Paul is on that team, one of his former players. Um, I I don't know if there was something there where they didn't see eye to eye and they just don't want to rekindle. They don't want to rehash that situation. Um, also, it's this saying that Chris Paul may not even be a part of the team next season, mm-hmm. um, which I doubt. I, I'm sure he'll return. Um, but there's, I, I just thought it was a really weird thing to happen. And it also said to me, if that was the case, taking Chris Paul and all that issues aside, Doc Rivers didn't want to coach Kevin Durant and Devin Booker with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. That's interesting. There had to be something there. There had to be yeah. some type of yeah. reason, and who knows what that reason is. But Your gift throughout the championship team. Yeah. And like, it doesn't yeah. happen all the time because he's not probably not even going to be coaching next year. He's going to have to wait until next offseason to see if he can get a coaching job. Because he doesn't want the Raptors job. Why would he do that? That makes no even, sense. Does he even want to coach anymore? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the thing is, he has time. He has his contract where he could just sit on his money now. Like, yep. he doesn't have to even work. So, it's like, yeah, that's what happens that. when you don't fulfill your contract with a team. Well, the team doesn't fulfill it towards you. Yeah. So, now you get to sit on all this money, and you really get to just chill. Yeah. So he hasn't done that in, like, 20-something years. Yeah. So, I wonder if he gets a taste of that life, and he's like, I'm so, cool on not coming back. Yeah, I wouldn't blame him. Like, I wouldn't what either. He, what more does he really have to prove? He's top 10 in the win. <laughs> he has an NBA championship. That's more than any other coach can get. But That's true. He just has that narrative of game sevens, but he's been lucky to have been in that situation before. And also, he's given up the most 3-1 leads in NBA history. <laughs> like, I mean, again, he's a great coach, but, like, he does have some things against him some that, flaws. like, yeah, he, there's some things there that is just like, okay, yeah. That whole Celt- that whole 2008 Celtics team, like, they really hold on to that championship and treat it as if it was, like, five. Yeah. But you only got one. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. So, I mean, he, I, I agree with you, though. In reality, he really doesn't have anything else to prove because he did win a championship, and championships mean every, everything. And once you won one, you're honestly set for the rest of your career as being seen as a champion. Um, but he's obviously done other great things outside of that as well. But I thought it was really interesting, and I'm wondering if that's the last we see of Doc Rivers in the NBA because that's what it was given to me. That would be crazy. Yeah. Um, let's move into a little more of a legal topic here. Uh, Taco Tuesday. Um, yeah, it was uh really bad timing too because they started airing them after LeBron was knocked out of the playoffs. So yeah, <laughs> I think that was the reason why they made that commercial because he probably had more time to make it. Mm. You think he made it after the fact? Yeah. I think so. Oh, okay. I I was under the impression it was before, but I mean, I I wouldn't know. I mean, not, none of us would. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, that it 
that that would make sense though if it were to be if it were to be, uh, been filmed after the fact because he he lives in L.A. He could shoot a commercial in a day and it would be fine. And like that but, commercial, he didn't really have to say anything in that commercial other than the same couple of words. So that's easy for him. Yeah, I think it's interesting because <laughs> I had a really hilarious conversation the other day too about that commercial. Uh, a friend of mine is not the biggest fan of LeBron at all. So mm-hmm. it really ticked them off that LeBron, who tried to file for, excuse me, tried to file for Taco Tuesday, mm-hmm. in, what, a year ago, two years ago? 2019. Yeah, and then he was uh, denied the trademark. But yet he's still able to capitalize on that failed trademark attempt. Yeah. By partnering with Taco Bell, and now he can use Taco Tuesday all he wants to get paid again. So, another W for LeBron. That's it all. Kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think it's Jack in the Box or like some other fast food place. They filed for a trademark. It was like Taco Tuesday night. Hmm. And they're just going to do like late night taco thing. So, <laughs> it'll be funny to see if that gets trademarked. But like, I was doing some research for it. Like, apparently, like, LeBron and Taco Bell have a pretty good chance of winning because, like, it's kind of, like, more well-known now. It's not just specifically to the Taco Taco John's franchise or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> yeah, Taco <Real>. John's. <laughs> they came back, and they had their own commercial, and they posted it on Twitter and got, like, 3,000 views. That was it. <laughs> yeah, so Taco Bell's just like, a bigger – just a bigger name, and then you partnered out with LeBron. I mean, if it's huge. oh god, that would be crazy if he they end up winning that. Bullies. And then like the it was like such <laughs> the smartest business move. Like it would, it, I mean, LeBron's like, oh, so I can't get this on my own. I'm not big enough on my own. So let me partner with this corporation, is Taco Bell. And yep. now all of a sudden, you put my brand and their brand together. If that's not big enough, then what is? Yeah, that's true. And they win and bully because, like, one of the people that own the trademark too is like a small bar in New Jersey. So like, mm. they're just gonna bully these two small franchises, mom and, little mom and pop businesses, and they're just yeah. like, "Well, you got to take that." Oh, they just get a cease and desist in the in the mail. Yeah. This is like, "Hey, buddy, <laughs> all these Taco Tuesday signs." Yeah, you go have to <laughs> rip those down. But yeah, That's I crazy. think they have a good chance of winning. Which is crazy, dude. Imagine you receiving a cease and desist, and it's like LeBron and Taco <laughs> Bell are Good the people shit. suing you. Yeah. Those it's are the people funny. suing you. I'm ripping down those posters immediately because I'm like, man, <laughs> yeah. they're gonna bleed me dry with the amount of funds they have. Bro, so quick, bro. What that lawsuit ain't even worth the trouble. <laughs> Just be like, just, give me a billion, you can do whatever you want. Literally. That just reminds me of, like, uh, this guy named Cool Kai. He's actually from Jersey. Have you heard of Cool Kai? Is he He's the... A, the sneaker guy. He does, like, he has, like, the lightning bolt on the uh, Jordan ones. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's big in Jersey. I'm surprised you really? haven't heard of him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, look up uh, Kai, K-I-Y. Like, he got sued by Nike, like, Twice. I don't know, and I honestly don't know the results of either one, but I know he's still selling his sneakers. 
and they're <laughs> they're Jordan ones, literally just the Jordan one model, and they have a a lightning bolt where the Nike sign would be on the sides. So he he did change up a little bit more. They have like he partnered with this company called Reeves, I believe, and they have Reeves written on the bottom sole of the shoe. Um he did little tweaks and changes here and there to where he can argue that it's this is not an actual this is not the Jordan one because I guess the biggest issue there was is the consumer gonna be confused yeah. of whether this product's with Nike or not. Yeah. And his argument is that it's not. You know, the people that are buying my shoe are fans of just my product and my brand. They're they are clearly knowing this is not a Nike shoe. No one thinks that Nike is affiliated with this shoe, but Nike's like seeing the colorways and the creative ideas that he's doing with their own shoe and making it better. And they're like, oh no, we, we're getting that off the streets. Like we want yeah. to recoup all that money because now every idea that he put out there, Nike's going to go right around his back and put it out the same thing just with their swoosh. Mm-hmm. So a lot recently because they did it to um some guy that used to work for Nike, like John something, hmm. or um he made like a shoe kind of similar to the Air Force Ones, but like it was like kind of like the same thing. Instead of a lightning bolt, it was like some other type of swoosh type thing in right. that area, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Yeah, this is different." Like especially for an Air Force One, it's such a simple shoe. It's literally just a shoe. There's nothing, no other marks or anything to it. And he just has a different design on it. And I think he still ended up losing. Like, they, I think he had to make, like, different tweaks to it or do something to it. And, like, I think he was, that was, like, um, in court for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised that it was. And then also, like, with the whole Kai situation, it's like, I wish, not even just with Kai, but with the guy you're talking about, too. Like, I wish Nike yeah. would be willing more willing to be like hey instead of suing these guys for everything they got how about we partner with them how about we try to make things yeah like you know why why can't it be a collaboration with the create with the creators and 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 not Mm -hmm. try to put people into a box you know isn't that what america's all about is about like freedom of expression and trying to create your own art and create your own way of making money essentially um, you know, obviously you don't want to copy people's stuff, but at the same time, they're they're not exactly copying what you're doing completely. They they made significant changes to your shoe to make it into their own and for them to make it profitable for themselves. So I mean, I I, I feel like it's 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 a positive thing. Um I mean, completely separate issue from taco tuesday and lebron but it just made me yeah it just made me think about like you know the fact that lebron failed in his attempt to uh get this trademark and you know obviously kai he he trademarked all his stuff on his own and now he's putting it onto the shoe and then it's working for him so but yeah yeah definitely look him up he's big in jersey man so i have a friend from jersey that uh got a few shoes of his as well yeah, just followed him on Instagram. He's in Jersey City, so it's not that far. Shoot, make sure you're following the right dude because he has like three different like accounts that are like 
fake. Oh, really? Who, yeah, like, they're fakes. Yeah, they're people that are trying to pose as them to steal your money. So, damn. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that not too long ago. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, last semester, or yeah, last semester, the class was like, you get two credits if you write like a research paper type thing. And literally, mm-hmm. my topic was about the sneakers. I gotta send it to you. Kind of oh, like dope. Nike, kind of like taking over the shoe industry and not letting these small artists create anything because there's like, here's our IP. We own right. almost everything now. Like, there's nothing you can do, and there's nothing creative that these guys can do to make it different because a shoe is a shoe. Yep. That's an interesting topic. I wish I would have had a fun topic like that in uh, law school. <laughs> yeah, I find it. Yeah, dude, I was lucky. That the professor that I did it for, she was like mad cool about it. She was just like, yeah, write about whatever you want. I was like, all right. Yeah. Did you think it was, bro, I, I thought it was pretty crazy that that guy that's from Hofstra Law put in $1,400 for Gabe Vincent to score over 20 points, comes up 20 grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I asked a couple of my friends if they knew who he was, and they said no. Bro, who has enough money to just throw away $1,400? I mean, he, like he is an attorney. <laughs> I'm assuming he's a lawyer because, you know, he did graduate from the law school, so. Dude, last night, I, I bet two. I bet $10, and I would have won 200 if Kevin Love scored two more points. If that ha- And I was Dang. pissed that I lost 10 bucks. <laughs> See, that's why I can never bet. I can never sports bet, dude. I'm gonna it's gonna ruin it for me. I know myself. I know it's gonna ruin the basketball games for me. It's gonna ruin every now I may bet on other sports that I just like like football, like I'm not the biggest football fan in the world. So like mm-hmm. I think if I started betting on football, I'd be a little more inclined to watch. Yeah. All right, that's fair. But yeah, dude, I was like hoping. I was like, yo, put them back in. Just, just for tipping something. How much did he need? But that he'd score eight points. And he scored six. That's tough. <laughs> and then I had, and the part of the parlay I had him making two threes. So he did the hard part. All he needed was a tip in, and he was like two for nine or something yesterday. Like, <laughs> oh. One little need something. Gotta love it, man. That betting stuff. Yeah, I have a friend. He he just he bets all the time and he's and he does well. Like he does really well with it. So that's dangerous. I see he right. And I see him do it and that's why it's even more dangerous because I'm the I'm the type of guy to see that and I'm like, Oh, if he's doing it then I can do it. Exactly. And like, and then I've never done it. Yeah. Honestly, don't. If you haven't <laughs> done it already, just don't. It's nah, a dangerous I, game. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. Um, another thing that came out, uh, was Adam Silver's comments the other day. That was pretty interesting. Um, it sounds like they found additional information on Ja, and the fact that they, he even went on to say that, yeah, we got some additional information at this time. So, but it's not, it wouldn't be fair to these players that are in the finals and the and teams that are in this final. So to announce it while they're playing. So so the fact that they saw the media is all over the situation. I mean, Job Arant made CNN news because of this, which is nuts. But the fact that the decision that they're going to make 
could overtake the publicity to, to of the finals, that told me a lot. On top of the fact that they have additional information, that tells me that this could be really, really bad. This could be like half the season type bad. Yeah, I've seen like a lot of reports and people are like, yeah, it's definitely going to be more than 25 than less than 25 or like the odds of it being more or less. Yeah. Under what what other information is there to make it that bad? Even like half a season, I think um what's his name brought when he brought his guns into the locker room. I think he only got fifty. So even to get to that forty mark, what's that additional information that can make it to that type of level or, or like make it that bad? Like I wonder, like well, like what else is there? Well, you know, there's been a lot of allegations that we've touched on even on the pod about John Morant, his family, and things they've been involved in at the mall, at his house, at the just all these all random places. And there may even be things that were handled internally as a team that didn't get out to the public that was concerning with John Morant. That's fair. Um, that's my thoughts of what additional information came out because when they're conducting that interview, they probably interviewed the team and people yeah. that are around John on the day to day and that additional information, because the, the league may, might've turned a blind eye to it because they, the, they assumed that the organization was handling John internally. Even yeah, when boy. those other things came out, the league never got involved until they suspended him that first time. But before that, there was all these other allegations happening towards John. and nothing to to our uh you know, to our knowledge, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I think there might have been some conversations that came out from those investigations within the organization that may tell us now, hey, there's more to it than just what we know as from Instagram and what the public has been tell been told, you know, so yeah. Hopefully, it's like a suspension plus make him go do something. Because if he's just home <laughs> for half a year, who knows if he does something worse? He's just gonna be hanging with his friends all day. Like that doesn't really help him. To maybe actually have him day. check into that institution that he claimed that he yeah. checked himself into. Maybe actually yeah. have him go to this thing that he claimed was going to help him make it longer than 48 hours. Yeah. Although I don't know what this institution was. I don't know if it's something that he truly even needs. I think he just needs to grow up. Mm-hmm. And that's really it is just grow up. Understand you aren't the same person who you were five years ago. Mm-hmm. You are now John Morant. You are now in the public eye. And you're now held in the court of public opinion every day. It's unfortunate, but that's the that's just the world we live in with professional sports, especially the NBA, and especially because you're the type of guy that can jump fifty inches in the air and dunk on people. Yeah. So. <laughs> and you're an asset to the NBA that the NBA wants to have around, but there's certain things that you gotta do. Yeah, and you're a $200 million dollar investment, dude. $200 million dollar investment. That's what he is. And this is like, in a way, trying to help him before something worse happens. 
and that would be really sad to see. Rather take half a season compared to, I don't know, years in jail or whatever else that could possibly happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting the people that decide that, you know, him waving this gun around is a big deal. Is it maybe a big deal to some and not a big deal to others? Like, certain certain people just may be like, hey, like, that's just the culture. That's just the life we live. Yeah. That's just, you know, and then you have other people that are like, that's just his Second Amendment rights. You know, he can bear arms. He can do whatever he wants with his gun. Um, if it is his gun. And then you yeah. got other people that, truthfully, like myself, that are just like, why? Yeah, why do you stuff. care to have these guns in your videos? And forget even why. It's just they told you once to stop. Yeah. <laughs> like that, it, the conversation should end there every mm-hmm. time. It's like, well, why are they punishing him? Because they told him once already to stop it. Yeah, like, if it was a mistake the first time, then it's like, all right. But to do it a second time, like, two, not even two months after the fact, like, he got to learn something. That just yeah. shows that he just doesn't care and is just not going to listen to anyone. Exactly. And they got to handle it before, like you said, they got to handle it before it escalates into something that it's a regular occurrence. And also, he's a, you know, he's a role model, Unfortunately for him, he's going to be considered a role model. You know, you, you could try to have the Charles Bar- uh, Barkley approach, but it ain't going to work. Yeah, you're you're, you're a role model, dude. Yeah, especially today with social media, especially today. There's young kids following him on Instagram. He's got millions of followers, and you're waving a gun around on him. It's like, what is the message you're sending? Yeah. You know, and it's not even just like, you know, a lot of people have been bringing up the Chris Kamen picture from like 2014 or whatever it was with him and his hunting guns. That's like it a, was a picture. It's a hobby, but also it's a picture. It wasn't a video. True. This is a video of him waving a gun around damn near up to his head. And That's like, point. it's, it's different. And yeah. it's not just a video that was previously recorded. This was a live video. You can't edit that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like he chose to do this stuff. Like I guarantee you, Chris Kamen was waving those guns around, dang near near his head, playing music while riding around in a truck or whatever the hell he's in. He may be getting in trouble too. Now I'm not saying there's no bias in there. I think there's some racial bias in what Jaws going through. Thousand percent. You got Adam Silver, a Jewish white man, you know, watching this black kid with dreads waving a gun around in a video, you know, you got to know who your audience is. The commissioner is not from the hood. He doesn't understand that that's a regular thing (laughs) that may be happening. So it's just, you know, there's a lot of factors to it. There's so many things you can go into that too. Like gun safety. Obviously the biggest thing is for a handgun that can go off so easily not to wave it around. But if you mm-hmm. have a rifle, you're just, like, holding it, just chilling with it, then, like, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, there's so many different things you can go that way. And there's, like, um, I'm not going to say, like, right and wrong, but 
you can definitely make an argument for so many different things, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to you're not going to want your boss to you doing stuff out on your free time in a way right. that he did it in. Right. And honestly, until we hear a decision, this is the last time we're talking about John Morant <laughs> on the Ballers Law <laughs> Podcast because this is like four episodes straight. So yeah. we're, that has yeah, to be break. it, man. Yeah, until a decision, thankfully, we have more games coming up for the finals. Um, so we don't need to worry about that for a little bit. But um, maybe the finals are over by next week. Maybe. Never know. Maybe. I, hey, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a wishful man. Yeah, as long as the celebration's in Miami at the end, I'm not worried about <laughs> it. But, but yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I think this is a good uh, stopping point, but um, we definitely got a lot more that I'm sure is going to come up in the next few days here with just whatever happens with these these finals. And uh, we'll be right back here to talk about it. So. Yeah.